Chapter Sixteen of the Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Donna Stewart, Seattle, Washington. The Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate by Eliza P. Donner Houghton. Chapter Sixteen. Elitha and Liana, Life at the Fort, Watching the Cowpath, Return of the Fallon Party, Keseberg brought in by them, Father and Mother did not come. The room in which Elitha and Liana were staying when we arrived at Sutter's Fort was part of a long, low, single-story adobe building outside the fortification walls, and like others that were occupied by belated travellers, was the barest and crudest structure imaginable. It had an earthen floor, a thatched roof, a battened door, and an opening in the rear wall to serve as window. We little ones were oblivious of discomfort, however. The tenderness with which we were received, and the bewildering sense of safety that we felt, blinded us even to the anguish and fear which crept over our two sisters when they saw us come to them alone. How they suffered I learned many years later from Elitha, who said, in referring to those pitiful experiences, After Sister Leanna and I reached the fort with the first relief, we were put in different families to await our parents. But as soon as the second relief was expected, we went to housekeeping, gathered wood, and had everything ready. No one came. Then we waited and watched anxiously for the third relief, and it was a sad sight to see you three and no more. I went in, kindled the fire, and gave you supper. We had a bed of shavings hemmed in with poles for father and mother. They did not come. We five lay down upon it, and Sister Leanna and I talked long after you three were asleep, wondering what we should do. You had no clothes except those you wore, so the next day I got a little cotton stuff and commenced making you some. Sister Leanna did the cooking and looked after you, which took all her time. The United States Army officer at the fort had left orders at Captain Sutter's store that we should be furnished with the necessaries of life, and that was how we were able to get the food and few things we had when you arrived. Messrs. Eddie and Thompson did not tell my sisters that they had no expectation of father's getting through and considered mother's chance very slight, but went directly to the fort to report to Colonel McKinstry and to Mr. Kearns what their party had accomplished, and to inform them that Lieutenant Woodworth was about to break camp and return to the settlement, instead of trying to get relief to the four unfortunates still at the mountain camp. Very soon thereafter, a messenger on horseback from the fort delivered a letter to Lieutenant Woodworth, and a fourth party was organized, consisting of John Stark, John Rhodes, E. Coffeemeyer, John Dell, Daniel Tucker, William Foster, and William Graves. But this party proceeded no farther than Bear Valley on account of the rapidly melting snows. The return of the party after its fruitless efforts was not made known to Elitha and Leanna, nor were they aware that Thomas Fallon, with six companions, had set out for the mountain camps on the 10th of April. Neither fear nor misgivings troubled us little ones the morning we started out hand in hand to explore our new surroundings. We had rested, 
been washed, combed, and fed, and we believed that father and mother would soon come to us. Everything was beautiful to our eyes. We did not care if the houses did look as if they were made of dry dirt and hadn't anything but holes for windows. We watched the mothers sitting on the door sills or on chairs near them, laughing as they talked and sewed, and it seemed good to see the little children at play and hear them singing their dolls to sleep. The big gate to the adobe wall around Captain Sutter's home was open, and we could look in and see many whitewashed huts built against the back and side walls, and a flag waving from a pole in front of the large house, which stood in the middle of the ground. Cannons like those we had seen at Fort Laramie were also peeping out of holes in these walls, and an Indian soldier and a white soldier were marching to and fro, each holding a gun against his shoulder and it pointing straight up in the air. Often we looked at each other and exclaimed, "'How good it is to be here instead of up in the snow!' It was hard to go back to the house when sisters called us. I do not remember the looks or taste of anything they gave us to eat." We were so eager to stay out in the sunshine, before long we went to that dreary bare room only to sleep. Many of the women at the fort were kind to us, gave us bread from their scant loaves, not only because we were destitute, but because they had grateful recollection of those whose name we bore. Once, a tall, freckle-faced boy with very red hair edged up to where I was watching others at play and whispered, See here, little gal, you run up and get that little tin cup of yon, and when you see me come out of Mr. Wimmer's house with a milk pail on my arm, you go round yonder to the t'other side of the cow pen, where you find a hole big enough to put the cup through. Then you can watch me milk it full of the nicest milk you ever tasted. You needn't say nothing to nobody about it. I give your sister some last time, and I want to do the same for you. I ain't got no mother neither, and I know how it is. When I got there, he took the cup, and as he sat down under old Bossy, smilingly asked me if I liked lots of foam. I told him I did. He milked a faster, stronger stream, then handed me the cup, full as he could carry it, and a white cap of foam stood above its rim. I tasted it, and told him it was too good to drink fast but he watched me until it was all gone. Then, saying he didn't want thanks, he hurried me back to the children. I never saw that boy again, but have ever been grateful for his act of pure kindness. Every day or two, a horse all white with lather and dripping with sweat would rush by, and the Indian or white man on his back would guide him straight to Captain Kearns's quarters, where he would hand out papers and letters. The women and children would flock thither to see if it meant news for them. Often they were disappointed and talked a great deal about the tediousness of the Mexican War and the delays of Captain Fremont's company. They wanted the war to end and their menfolk back, so they could move and get to farming before it should be too late to grow garden truck for family use. While they thus anxiously awaited the return of their soldiers, we kept watch of the cow path by which we had reached the fort. For Elitha had told us that we might pretty soon see the relief coming. She did not say, with father and mother, but we did, and she replied, I hope so. We were very proud of the new clothes she had made us, 
but the first time she washed and hung them out to dry they were stolen and we were again destitute sister elitha thought perhaps strange indians took them in may the fallon party arrived with horses laden with many packs of goods but their only refugee was louis keseberg from the cabin near the lake it was evening and someone came to our door spoke to elitha and liana in low tones and went away my sisters turned, put their arms about us, and wept bitterly. Then, gently, compassionately, the cruel, desolating truth was told. Ah, oh, how could we believe it? No anxious watching, no weary waiting would ever bring father and mother to us again. End of chapter 16 Recorded by Donna Stewart, Seattle, Washington.